Maybe you heard about the When We Were Young Festival, which was canceled on Saturday due to an extreme wind advisory. It featured nostalgia-inducing groups like Jimmy Eat World, Paramore, and My Chemical Romance. What happens when a pop-punk festival gets shut down due to weather? They take to Twitter and find an alternative venue to play their jams. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm chatting with co-host David Figler and producer Layla Muhammad about our awesome city that wouldn't let the festival quit. It's Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. David and Layla, I'm excited to talk to you both about this because y'all have some wonderful stories. So, David, let's do the breakdown. Tell us how the festival pivoted. Uh, what happened? Who was behind it? Right. So the handwriting was in the air, right? High winds. It was going to totally knock over all these stages potentially, or people were going to have some trouble, etc. So a Saturday morning tweet went out from the festival. Hey, everybody, these winds are too much. Uh, we're going to cancel. But then... Something really amazing happened, right? People started to like think, well, all these bands are here in town. Maybe they're going to hit some of the local venues and maybe the locals will be able to do it. So that started happening. I guess I'm going to give a shout out to someone who I do not know, uh, someone in public relations. Her name is Michaela Jones. And they said, hey, we got All American Rejects and they're going to play at Soul Belly Barbecue Restaurant, which is so wild, right? It's a great little restaurant down in the Arts District. I think maybe it holds 200 people. They do live music there on the regular. But boom, there was a uh, absolute show, new venue, first one that I saw. And I guess it was set for 9 o'clock at night. Kids were lining up around the block starting at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Then I saw someone tweeted out, a live updated Google Doc, and it had all the band names. What? And it was saying whether or not they were yes or no and where they were going, and we were, like, massively following that. This is a gold mine of information. It was so amazing. Yes, organization. Come through. Yeah, so, so cool. And then seeing one-by-one venues were kind of coming online, uh, whether it was going to be the Stratosphere or the Palms or others, but... Um, my my paramour, if you will, if I might, was a uh, a big fan of some of these punk pop emo-y bands uh, when she was in college. And so we started tracking the ones that she really wanted to see. And then sure enough, Bayside, which was a band that was important to her in, in college time, and Thursday, a Census Fail, and a couple of other bands they announced over at the Sandauer down in the Plaza Hotel. Amazing. And the Plaza Hotel was able to accommodate it. But Layla, did you see those videos that were online of all the people lining up hours ahead of time? Yes, I definitely saw the videos. I wanted to go to Soul Belly to see All American Rejects so bad. My friends and I were already planning to do it. But my sister called me and she said, Layla, it's 2 p.m. The show starts at 9. There's already a line that wraps around the building. Soul Belly's capacity is like three to 500. Oh, oh that's generous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were telling people in line by 7 that they had reached capacity. So by 9 o'clock, the people who were in line 
got to see All American Rejects play, and the videos are incredible. Um, it looked like an amazing show. But I didn't go out to see any of the other. I didn't wade out into the wind to see any of the other performances. But there was a lot going on in the city. That's super cool. So uh, will we say okay? It sounds like it was more of a grassroots effort that brought uh, all of the bands to. Well, the bands who were willing to still perform in a an unorthodox location or, you know, not what they were scheduled to do. Would y'all say it was a grassroots effort that made this happen? Yeah, I think so. I think it was definitely a community effort. Like David said, I saw Michaela Jones reaching out to bands on Twitter, commenting under All American Rejects posts that said if they have any other bands or any other venues that need anyone, then she has the connections. Um, And I saw a lot of PR people and just like community people wanting to set things up and get these bands in a venue. So I think it was definitely an effort from the community. I think people in the know know that Vegas has all these kind of scrappy music venues that are totally willing to be spontaneous. I mean, the Double Down for sure. And and one of the bands, Horror Pops, wound up over there. I was very pleased to see that the Sandower downtown, which is in the plaza, which is a relatively new venue, had the ability for them to pivot and to, to do it. But again, those videos, lines of people, 500, maybe a thousand people waiting to get into a small venue, going all the way down Main Street past the, the rodeo grounds. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. Talk about the amount of people that got turned away that day. There's people who traveled all over the country to go to when we were young. This was a festival that when the lineup was announced, a lot of people didn't think it was actually going to happen because it was just so far out that all of these bands were coming together on one day and then they added two more days on top of that. What were some of the reactions you saw from fans who flew or drove in for the festival? There was a lot of people sobbing and crying on Twitter. A lot of pictures of sad emo people <laughs> Wait, going is down. Is that redundant? Emo is 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 the next level of sadness. Okay, it's level. I'm two. using the word emo to identify a group of people. Oh, okay. okay. But there were a lot of sad fans going down what was dubbed the Boulevard of Broken Dreams on Saturday. Well, I mean, the festival was shut down an hour before the gates were supposed to open. So there were a lot of fans trying to find a place to go. Some fans got tattoos. I saw on Twitter fans got tattoos of a flaming broken heart. Especially, I think, what made things worse was that the next day on Sunday, when the festival actually did happen, all the videos were coming in of like Paramore performing a song that they never performed before. And so there were a lot of people on Twitter who had traveled and had to travel back without going to the festival that were really upset. Yeah. How much were the tickets just for like general admission? About two fifty with and with fees and all of the things added, probably around three hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm wondering like, yeah, did the people get refunded or not? Yeah, so that was part of the tweet. So our our cousins who were here and they, you know, they got the weekend off from the baby. And so they came into Las Vegas to go see the concert. And then they were like, you know what? (laughs) We could always see concerts, but we got a free night. So we're going to go back home and have free night. So that was good for them. But they they did. They they will get their Uh, money back for sure. Interesting. And that's kind of still a bummer, though, right? Because they get their money back, but no show because both of the other days, which was the next day, Sunday, and then the third day is the 29th. Those are both completely sold out shows. So there was nowhere else to put these fans who hadn't 
seen anything. They just had to give their um, money back. What do you guys think that we did particularly well? And what does it say about Vegas entertainment culture? I think we're we're a pretty resilient little town and we have a lot of treasures that people just don't realize. I think, again... Big little town. Yeah, we're a big little town. People think we're just a strip a lot of times. You know, the outsiders, they always do. They always think we're just a strip. And, you know, when you saw how many different venues kind of came and stepped up. But again, this was just on moment's notice. So that so many were involved was kind of the both both the miracle and what I would come to expect from Las Vegas, that we can do that. And I think we might be uniquely positioned as such a big city with such a small town core to be able to pull that off. Yeah, I love it. It, it all sounds like magic. Um, I know there were some people who had some complaints about the festival too, though, like just how big that lineup was. But what do you think could have been done differently? And what were some of the issues with the festival? I, I think all these big festivals, which now have become the norm, all, all kind of share the same critique um, of the way that they kind of throw it together, the expense, the sort of insular nature of it, the fact that they do tend to ignore that there's a rest of a city around it, wherever it lands. Mm-hmm. But I think that maybe the the silver lining in that cloudy day is that more and more bands might become aware now, just from the tweets that the bands were putting out, that there's all these kind of venues. And I will tell you, when I've been in other cities, when there's big shows or big festival type shows, there's always a pop-up, a secret pop-up or two, an unannounced thing at a, at a cool local studio or bar or something like that. That's pretty standard in big cities. And I just don't think that was on anyone's radar from the talent side when they come to Las Vegas. I think they come to Las Vegas to do either the big showroom on the on the strip or the big festival that they're set for and not venture into the double down or the sand dollar or dive bar or you know any of these number of places i mean heck if you could do a show like all american rejects which is a solid strong band that has a big following at a restaurant that has a stage set up you could probably do it in a lot of places in las vegas so i'm hoping that becomes more of the norm than the wild exception that had to happen Okay, Layla, if one of the Life is Beautiful days had been canceled for high winds, do you think we would have seen the same pivot? No, I don't think the type of artists that are more likely to play at Life is Beautiful, like the more pop artists, would gather around their fans and make sure their fans had something to attend that night. The culture of the pop punk scene, the emo scene, whatever you want to call it. I think it's more of a family and a camaraderie. And these bands are so close to their fans that they didn't want to just throw them out on the streets and leave them to their own devices to figure out what to do now that their festival's canceled. I just don't think the same culture is around pop music as there is around pop punk slash emo slash rock music. And I would disagree with that. I think it was really circumstantial. And I think it could happen no matter what the, the festival was. I don't I don't really think that the type of music matters. Now, some bands are just too big to be able to, you know, accommodate that, but not always. I mean, you know, heck, if the Rolling Stones were playing, you might see, you know, Mick Jagger show up at, uh, oh, I don't know. I'm going to try to, the Clark County Library. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to be neutral there. <laughs> I agree where some bands are just too big. Like, obviously, we didn't see Paramore or My Chemical Romance perform anywhere because I think 
they would need like a proper venue. But I just, I think the hype around this festival and around the community of this festival, who this festival serves, I just think it's different than Life is Beautiful. I don't think the community would have gathered around Life is, a Life is Beautiful cancellation like they would have around a when we were young festival cancellation because this mm-hmm. was a festival built on nostalgia and people flew in to see their favorite bands who they listened to and got them through high school. I don't know. I just think this whole festival was based in a music genre that I don't think a similar situation would have had would have happened if Life is Beautiful got canceled. I like that idea, though. I mean, I think, yeah, different fandoms gather in, in different ways as well. So like if you have a very like hostile fan fan group maybe you don't want to go to a smaller venue that doesn't have as much security to maybe accommodate what might be necessary yeah but i like that culture of you know i'll play anywhere like a band that that's come back and been to a space where it's like yeah i'll play anywhere wherever i can wherever somebody will hear me i'm remembering that hunger in the early days i know i would love to be in a space to see a band i've wanted to see for years and to see them in a small venue for that intimacy and i wonder like how a pop punk band sounds in a smaller venue you know i i think they're used to bar shows from maybe their origins a lot of bands get started by playing small bars And um, that's not just a pop punk phenomenon. That's most bands uh, have started out that way. They're professionals, so they know the size of the room and they were able to accommodate like I think any musicians were. Now, the the lead singer, uh, Anthony Green for uh, Seosin, I believe is the name of the band, uh, he came out with just a guitar and didn't have the rest of his band with him. And it was so compelling. He has such a great voice. I didn't know him. Mm. Big fan now. It, It was... Bands that were ready to perform at a festival who are now kind of adjusting. So, you know, good on them as well because they didn't have the pyrotechnics and they didn't have the giant light show. Although uh, Sandauer did a, did a good job with some lights. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I've been reading, I read an article in Mashup about there's a resurgence of pop punk music and it really like hit hard in 2021. And the article really talked about how we saw 2021 come into play and we thought, oh, things are going to be better. It can't be as bad as 2020. And what it was, it was a COVID, climate change, and then political climate as well. So those three things kind of added to the angst and that connection to the culture of everything sucks (laughs) and we're going to scream about it. Uh, We're going to make music about it. We're going to lean into this feeling, but also like acknowledge it. And I I can definitely see and understand that feeling. So I'm wondering for y'all, like, what draws you to pop punk and what does it mean to you? Uh, it means nothing to me. I'm going to be straight. It means something to you well, now because you're partner. No, and, and true. Although I think it was more nostalgia and that's the way it works. Look, I, I don't think anyone's writing themselves off yet. Uh, I hear those songs. To me, I guess it's blasphemy for some, but they all kind of sound fairly similar. But that's just an old man Oof. talking. Blasphemy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very into the music before 2000. So I'd be more likely to see the Green Day musical on Broadway than to go see Green Day. That's who I am. So, Oh, my oh. God. Layla, please help. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that just broke my heart, David. You obviously have not listened to enough pop punk. I am here to break your heart. Grace. Now I'm quoting Wilco, which is a band I would go anywhere <laughs> to go see. I think pop punk is so inviting and so open. Mm-hmm. That group of fans who are really into the pop punk genre, the emo kids, if you will. 
They were kids who didn't exactly know where to fit, didn't know where to go, didn't know who to hang out with, and found a community amongst themselves. And these musicians who care so much, like Paramore wrote a whole thing about how nostalgic and sentimental and important their fans are and why this festival is so important to everyone. All-American Rejects, when they were putting their show together, they were really like, you could tell that they were really doing this in service of the fans and doing this in community of all the other bands and each other to try to make the best out of the horrible situation. Because like you said, Vogue, that's what pop punk music is about, making the best out of a not so great situation and having fun regardless and having fun anyway and just it's a party yeah i think that's what draws people and don't forget they were free shows which was also really super nice also that which is yeah shout out to the venues because i'm sure they they got they cashed in on that okay go back to bright eyes for a second is that is that pop punk no but he was part of the the festival i mean he's just Alt indie, like all the music that I loved in the 90s. And so there's crossover. Music's mu- good music's good music to the person who likes it, okay? There it is. Now you want to say it. Exactly. Good music is good music. I think there is a specific teenage angst that the pop punk that we're talking about and what we saw from the festival definitely aimed to capture. And I think also it's just marketing of like, y'all are all, the age group that this probably appeals to is an age group that probably finally makes some money. So <laughs> Yeah, like, that's a big thing. And I actually saw, I actually saw a tweet about My Chemical Romance not performing for the fans but kind of making a statement that like they're just bringing back emo to cash in and make it profitable. Mm. So there, there's a reunion that came from it and then a great infusion into our city. We watched some folks pivot. And like you said, David, for sure, l- let's see more of this. Let's see more festivals come to town and have bands do offshoot shows, small shows in our, uh, in our wealth of spaces. So Come on down, people. Vegas is ready. We stay ready. What? We're ready. (laughs) David and Layla, thank you so much for this riveting conversation. David, I'm going to send you lots of songs that you should listen to. And then we'll discuss the lyrics. It was fun being here. I really enjoy talking about Las Vegas and music anytime. Thanks, Vogue. And now it's time for a little news. What's going on, David? Well, per usual, a lot, Vogue, but a couple of things you should know. It appears the early voting numbers are up, at least compared to the last midterm election in 2018. 9% more of us voted in the first weekend. Conclusion jumping is still ill-advised, and thanks to tensions surrounding elections across the country, Clark County officials are quietly beefing up security measures to keep their workers safe. Also in election news, the Culinary Union, which had endorsed both candidates for the nonpartisan position of Justice of the Peace Department 13 in the Las Vegas Township, took the unprecedented step of withdrawing their support for the incumbent, Susan Bauckham. This comes after she posed in a campaign photo for GOP gubernatorial candidate Joe Lombardo. Now, challenger Rebecca Sachs is their sole endorsee. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. We all got little frogs today.